Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, hello, audience. Uh, usually in this segment, I do do a today in history. But after considering today's events of history, we... Um, we have come to the determination that today was not a terrific day in history. Today being August 29th. Not great. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. My name is Zachary, and we didn't start the fire. And neither did Mrs. O'Leary or her cow. It's all lies. Hashtag cow justice. Cow justice. I love that song. <laughs> um, not cow justice, but the we didn't start the fire. Uh, my name is Megan. And every single day, I wish that I was an eccentric billionaire or at least hundred thousand air. And I'm Matt. Today I learned the reason why I'm not supposed to say the cryptid's name that I keep saying. If you've been a listener of the podcast for a bit, you know that there's one Native American cryptid whose name I just keep repeating. I've said it several times, and every time that I say it, I acknowledge that I'm not supposed to say it, and Zach acknowledges that I'm not supposed to say it. I scold you for saying it. And I've always wondered... But not hard enough why I'm not yeah. supposed to say it. Like, every yeah. time we walk away Is from the podcast, I'm just like, I wonder why I'm not supposed to say it. So, and Matt, so, inform the class why you're not supposed to say it. Um, the reason that you're not supposed to say it is because by saying the name, it gives the cryptid power and essentially um. invites the entity into your life. Mm-hmm. Is it Jesus? Huh? <laughs> Is it Jesus? It's not Jesus. Um, Jesus is a different cryptid that other people believe in, so naturally he exists. Uh, <laughs> Jesus so, is a uh, Jesus is a Middle Eastern cryptid, whereas yeah. uh, the one that we're this not supposed Native to talk American. about is like a yeah. Great Plains Native American cryptid. Um, so the the closest thing that I could uh, the closest thing the closest approximation that I could make is that ancient Vikings used to refer to bears as honey eaters because they thought that to speak it by its actual name would would summon it uh, or would awaken it somewhere yes. in the forest. Would summon a bear. By like, yeah, so They're by like, like oh saying shit, the word bear, calling. a bear would appear. Oh, okay. Yeah, same. And so, like, <laughs> in the same vein, if I were to speak the name of this Native American cryptid, it would, like, have a knowledge of me. Yes. And in fact, I was just talking about uh, this with, like, a guy came to visit me at work, and he was like, do you know anywhere that I could just go and be with nature? And I was like, I mean, literally any trail out in the world probably has space where you can, like, camp. And I was like, but I'm not allowed to go camping because I'll get eaten. <laughs> <laughs> I so. honestly I can't for the life of me remember okay. I'm like I'm really trying to rack my brain I'm for not, the name of this thing I'm not gonna do it don't even think the name yeah. okay <laughs> don't even think I can't because I've like I can't even think the name because I just like all I keep hearing is it's Jesus it's Jesus it Christ Jesus honestly Christ, superstar that is such a good thing for you, Megan. Seriously. The fact that you can't okay. say it means that you're better off than me. Yes. I'm so protected because, like, someone's going to hold a gun to my head and be like, what was say his name? name? And you'd be like, oh, I don't know. And then you're going to reenact that I scene can... from Twilight where he's just, a vampire. The vampire. 
Yeah, is that? It's not. Is that the cryptid? That's not the cryptid. Uh, it's this actually, is the skin oh, of a God. killer Bella. It's actually unicorn. <laughs> um, it's a unicorn. All right, dearest listeners, our strikes have been set to zero. Our imaginary game of rock, paper, scissors has determined uh, a result for the order tonight. And the order for tonight is Megan followed by Zach followed by me. So without further ado and without naming any Native American cryptids, Megan, you can kick it off. Can't. Can't remember it. It's ruining me. <laughs> look it up. Just Google uh, it. Don't look it up. No. Don't, don't look it up by name. Um, but like Google, it, you're not allowed to say the cryptid's name. But just be like, which Native American cryptid's name should you not say? And I bet you it pops. Am up. I allowed to look at it? Huh? I feel like I'm not even allowed to look you're at just it. You're not allowed not. to like think about it a lot. So here's the thing. If the okay. two of you go missing because you fucking messed with shit you shouldn't mess with, I'm not saying I told you so. I'm not even... <laughs> I'm I, literally not even messing with anything. I can't remember Zach, it. here's Good. the thing. Anyway. I don't it think way. I'm going to put myself in a position where I could go missing. Because to do that, I would need to be outside. Okay. I'm just saying, okay. you have to walk um, to your car. Yeah, but like... <laughs> that's outside time. It, it is outside time, but I don't think it's prolonged outside. Like, if I was going on a hike for three days, we would have reason to be concerned. But I think okay. walking from my building to my car, I do not run the risk of running into this particular being. Nasty business? I mean, mm. I hope not. I think the further west I go, like if I were to be in Utah somewhere walking from like oh, a never- diner to my car... I know. Hey, First Matt, of all, I'll never go to Matt, Utah, but like. Well, no, 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 Matt. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know why you cross on the other side of the Mississippi at this point. I don't. I wouldn't. <laughs> you I, did. You went on vacation in well, California. Okay, so but like California is that's civilized true. country. That doesn't I count. Think. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Mm. Well, actually, no, that's not fair. I recently have traveled the length of California, and let me tell you. That state has three cities. <laughs> it has and, yeah. exactly, and everything else in between is big ass trees, big ass grapes, and big ass oceans. Grapes? Hell yeah. Yeah. Wine country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wine country. Wine country. <laughs> all right. Anyways. We are getting so off track. Megan, please. <laughs> all right. So the name of my story is Clive Palmasaurus Palmer. Nice. Palmas- um, Palmasaurus. Okay. Yeah, you heard me. You heard it right. That's his name. Yeah. So I'll start this off by saying we all hate rich people. Yes. Eat uh, the rich. This is a... F- yep. Yeah, eat the rich. This is a fact. And we will not be taking comments, questions, or criticisms at this time. Thank you. Uh, rich people, especially the super rich, are like the closest we are ever going to come in our lifetimes uh, to meeting an alien race that identifies with dragons, I think. Um, And the rich person in question that we will be discussing today is called Clive Palmer. The Palmasaurus comes in later. So he was born when all rich people were after World War II in 1954, to be exact, in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, truly an amazing time to be alive because I have rarely met a struggling boomer. <laughs> Accurate. I don't though. know if you guys no. have, but I nope. haven't. Yeah, nope, act- never like, once. Actually, yeah. Never once. They're just like, I had to work and then I afforded a house on, I gave them my shoelaces and they said, that's enough. <laughs> um, on a single person's so, salary, I afforded this home. On a s- on a single person's shoelaces, this home was completely paid off. And so his father was the owner of a tire and broadcasting company. Those two things were separate. They weren't like a tire and broadcasting company together. Like, they broadcasted broadcast other things tires? besides tires. Well, he might have, but like, not all the time. Oh, okay. Um, and he, his dad was also a travel agent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Uh, and so Clive got to travel the world quite extensively. Um, so during university, Clive studied law, journalism, and poli- politics, which are all going to come into play later. Oh. So please keep his majors in Does mind. Does it happen um, during the time where he genetically turns himself into a dinosaur, as you've also promised? <laughs> yeah. It, well, that com- they're like all together. Oh, okay. Um, he didn't. He didn't major in dinosaurs. He uses a law uh, degree just... to turn himself into a dinosaur. <laughs> That's true. That's what happened in Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that everyone knew. They, no. They used the power of law. Uh, it's very rare they... that Megan and I are the ones presenting the podcast with chaotic energy and Zach has to be the one <laughs> reining us in, but... Yeah, I'm uncomfortable with this. <laughs> with the energy uh, we created in the Uncomfortable with the situation. Yeah. Uh, so, after he studies all of these things, um, as most boomers do, Clive got into real estate. And okay. he did well. What? No, 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 no. Boomers get into real estate. I was about to say, like, look, it makes sense. He's a scummy landlord. Understood. You need, need say, you well, say less, you know? Well, I can't say less because he wasn't necessarily a landlord. He just, he was a real estate agent. So, like, oh, he just I bought you, and stole. You said get into yeah, real estate. He, and I thought you meant, like, bought rental properties. My bad. No, 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 no. He he bought properties, yeah. but then he bought those properties for like four pennies and a g-string, and then sold them for like millions of dollars. I bought them for a hope and a dream, and I've sold them for two million each. <laughs> I've sold them, and a hope and a dream turned into a million dollars each. Oh. Uh, so then he retired as a real estate agent at the ripe age of twenty-nine, and he said, "I'm good." Uh, then we move into what is called the mineralogy phase of his career. Oh, um, they're mer- yeah, they're minerals, Marie. Look, if there's yeah, like you phases of your career, it. then like I don't know if you're doing something right or doing something wrong. I think everyone goes know, through phases I... in their career. I yeah, think but it like, kind of yeah. depends on what your phases are determines whether you're living a good life or a bad one. But, like, if that is how your life is valued by, like, phases of your work life, I don't know if you're doing it right. Yeah. I don't think you're doing it right either, but... That's why we're not millionaires, you know? (laughs) That's why, yeah, that's just, like, why we're not billionaires. It's because we're doing it fundamentally wrong according to capitalism. But Clive was doing it right because the mineralogy phase of his career, ooh. Like, most of us... We don't get into mining unless we are sent to the mines, but rich people are built different. I don't think they you understand. Uh, he... As middle-class Americans, what? Megan, we were born yeah. with an innate yearn for the mines. <laughs> for the mines. I know. We definitely were. Uh, Every day I wake up and I was like, God damn it, I wish I was underground. Yeah. I wish I had black lung. Yep. <laughs> I wish I could wake up and Just bring right my now. trusty canary to the mines with I me. Wish, I just wish that I woke up, coughed up coal dust, and I said, Marie, get my axe. We should probably... <laughs> 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 Fucking hell. We should probably do this damn thing. I, I spit into my spittoon. <laughs> and so... <laughs> so... I'm trying to do the podcast. Hands. I know, but Girl. the imagery is so good. Oh my <laughs> god. Not making this easy. I, I feel um, you. So I'm not making it easy for myself either, if that makes anyone else feel better. He wasn't sent to the mines. He just founded his own mining exploration companies. So he founded three mining companies, to be exact. And then he started like just digging around... During the mid-80s, he was like, I wonder what I can find. Um, because you have to understand that there were no laws during the 20th century. Yeah. Uh, you could do whatever you wanted. There are still no laws if you're so, ultra-rich. Yeah, but there were no laws for more people. Oh, got it. You know? Yeah. Like, now there are only no laws for the ultra-rich, but this was back in the day when you could walk into a hospital with a cigarette in one hand and a newborn in the other. And, and the newborn also <laughs> had a cigarette. Was, <laughs> yeah, and that was the end of yeah. it. Um, 
So his, all of his companies, they found a lot of iron ore and nickel and legal issues. Those don't come from the ground. <laughs> those come from other places. Those come from the poor mining practices uh, that you have. Yeah, definitely. So if you do remember, um, Palmer doesn't just love the law. He fucking lives for it. Uh, it. It has been reported that Clive gets into complex cases with other companies and governments, and his lawyers take legal steps to prolong the litigation so that it racks up costs for his opponents. Uh, so they are unable to continue the case due to their lack of resources. He loves it. Oh, so so he just like lawyer. Um, he steals shit by wars of attrition. That is the lowest of the fucking low. <laughs> I, I, I know, it's like so, it's so bad. Sir, I will not meet uh, you on the battlefield. Instead, I will prolong your campaign until you are too tired to fight me and just give up. There is no honor in yeah. that. It's like Russia in winter. There's no... Yeah, like never get involved <laughs> in a land war in Asia. But like also... Yeah, there's... There's just, like, no, there's no, like, honor in it. And even though, even though, like, I was reading some of the things that he did. So, like, he seems kind of generous on paper. Like, for one of his companies, he gifted staff um, who worked at one of his refineries, like, 50 Mercedes-Benz and overseas holidays. But, like, when the company went under, he refused to pay, like, the severance packages to his workers who lost their jobs. Yeah, he um, gave them a Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he gave them a Mercedes, but then he also was just like, I have no personal personal responsibility for this. I retired. No, he gave them a nice car to sleep in when they became homeless. You don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> he got them yeah, a house right? on wheels. He got it's the ultimate house. Are you sleeping in your <sighs> car? Yeah, but look how luxurious it is. <laughs> but yeah, I li- it's but a dude, luxury look how nice. car. Fuck. Is your house a Mercedes Benz? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> if Mercedes made houses, would it also have four wheels? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Could you, can you even move your house? Oh, man. My God. Only lamos can't move their houses. So he then went on to blame the administrators of the company for laying off the workforce, and this forced the federal government to cover the workers' compensation, uh, which I'm sure, like, the right-winger Australians who also say who's going to pay for it absolutely loved. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, who's going to pay for it? And they were just like, well, this was done by a rich man, so. Nobody. We will. <sighs> nope, Nobody. Uh, in 2019, Palmer was like, well, okay, I guess I'll pay like $7 million. And the federal government was like, what is that going to do? You owe $200 million plus $70 million. We already paid out to your former employees. Oh, my God. And which, if you're, if you're doing math, is a lot of money. And Palmer appeared in court. He represented himself because he loves the law. Yeah. Um, it's always a smart move. And he agreed to pay $10 million, which, again, if you are doing the math, is way less than what he owes. Yeah. 260 less, if my math is correct. It's a, that's a lot of money. Less. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, that's, it's the difference in between one luxury home and two luxury homes. Or one Mercedes house. <laughs> one Mercedes house. <laughs> Uh, so now we move on to the creme de la creme of Clive Palmer. Where he becomes oh, a dinosaur. Dinosaurs. Through genetics. Yes. Through genetics, we come to dinosaurs. So in 2011, this man purchased, like, a prestigious Hyatt Resort property and announced that he was going to build a dinosaur theme park featuring over 160 animatronics. Oh my god, he's John Hammond. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So, one of these animatronics was a T-Rex named Jeff. Jeff? And, yeah, it was a T-Rex named what Jeff. What a basic-ass name for a T-Rex. <laughs> My name is Jeff. He had a- My name is Jeff. <laughs> My name is Jeff. So, he received full government approval for some reason for this theme park, and he named the park Palmasaurus 
and this was greenlit and open to the public in 2013. 2013. In 2013, Palmasaurus Land was doors wide open. Oh my god! And in two, just two short blissful years, it closed down because no one wanted to fucking go to a weird dino park in the middle of well, nowhere. We had also seen Jurassic Park. We, we know how seen it goes. Jurassic Park. We we do. So in 2017, ABC stated that the resort, which he bought and was once one of the most prestigious and beautiful in the area, was now a mere shadow of its former self and the center of legal battles between Clive Palmer and like the people who lived around it because they didn't want to listen to dinosaurs roaring throughout the night because they are also, they make noise, the animatronics. I don't see why you wouldn't want to listen to dinosaurs screeching through the night because these are wealthy boomers i can't believe i just said that like it can i give myself a strike either yes i was gonna give it to you i'm gonna give myself a strike and i'm gonna hang my head in shame for a bit as you should yeah so then palmer claimed that the charges that were brought against him were just trying to stop him from standing for government election and since he had failed I know, he won a classic, a rich guy wants to go into government. What are the odds? So, what are the odds? Uh, after he failed as a dino dad, he purchased Gold Coast United Football Club. But his license was revoked because he constantly breached FFA rules and regulations. Then he was like, man, I'm really doing bad on land. And so I'm sure you know where I'm going. He's um, going out I'm, to the I'm ocean, sure baby. That, yep. Yep. But can you guess what he's going out on the ocean in? Ernest Hemingway's brother's trash island. Oh. No. What do rich people love going to see? Is it the fucking what Titanic? What do they love? You get it. You got it. Oh, no. He's like, I'm going to build a modern day replica of the Titanic. No. And I'm going to have China build it. And it's going to make its maiden voyage, just like the real Titanic, to New York City, baby. Is it also going to crash just... into an iceberg? <laughs> well, the plans for it crashed and burned. It never got built. But the fact that he was like, I'm going to build a fucking Titanic. Rich people can't leave it alone. I don't know why. Wait a minute. Was So was I he don't... the one behind the Titanic too? Yeah, he's the Titanic 2 guy. This is crazy. We were just talking about he the lo- Titanic 2 like three weeks ago in the D&D chat. Yeah, he wanted to build Titanic 2, but like it, it fell through. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. Crazy. Um, so then the roundup, like obviously Palmer didn't really believe in COVID. Uh, he challenged, like, border closings and federal court, and then the Western Australian premier labeled him as an enemy of the state. Oh, my God. Uh, and then then Clive Palmer said, that really hurt my feelings, and I'm going to sue you for defamation. But then the court said that both the premier and Palmer had said some pretty un- unkind things to each other and then told them to stop wasting the court's time. <laughs> um, after all of these stunning wins... Uh, I'm sure you can understand why Palmer was made an adjunct professor of business at not one university, but two. I can. Yeah, I can. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. And then he was dubbed a national living treasure for no fucking reason. Um, And then he got into a bunch of fights with YouTubers who one of them called him a dense Humpty Dumpty and fatty McFuckhead. And Palmer (laughs) was like, that's super mean. Um. I'm going to sue you as well. And the YouTuber is just like, do it. You won't. And then he didn't because when you get called a dense Humpty Dumpty, there's really nowhere to go from there. Uh, So after that, I'm not really sure how his paper skin and glass bones held up in parliament, but (laughs) maybe it didn't because he was absent from his job more than any other MP during his like, like session and he only attended like about half of his sitting days and then he didn't seek re-election probably because like people were super mean to him and he hated that Uh and 
Then in his personal life, um, when he isn't threatening to sue anyone or being accused of fraud, he is busy owning 11 homes and his wife owns an undisclosed number of properties held in trust. Of course. He is pro-life, obviously. Um, He suffers from sleep apnea and is the proud owner. The proud owner of Hitler's Mercedes Benz. I just read that and was like, what the fuck? He would be, though. And the Rolls Royce once owned by King Edward the Thirteenth. No, King Edward yeah, the Eighth. I saw that too. Like, what the fuck? I did see that. But the the Hitler's Mercedes Benz things after he gave out all the Mercedes Benz <laughs> has me rolling. That doesn't have me rolling. That has me concerned about where his loyalties <laughs> lie. It, they he, they lie with Mercedes Benz, the company. Yeah, who built the gas chambers for the Nazis? Wow, he loves he loves the product. Today I learned. You didn't know that he. I, it wasn't no. I it, it was probably somewhere in my memory banks, but yeah, the Benz family just, was you know, uh, in deep there. They were they were in deep with the Nazis. Yeah, no, they, they like built well, a bunch of the gas chambers and shit like that inside of concentration camps. It was fucked. How do you think that contributed to the performance of the Mercedes-Benz? I don't... I will never buy a Mercedes-Benz for that fucking reason. But Volkswagen was also built by the Nazis, and I've already had a Volkswagen. Yeah, I know. But did Volkswagen build gas chambers? That I don't know. Probably. No. We're just going to no, say no for the sake of spe- Megan's sanity. <laughs> okay. No, I don't I don't think it was, <clears throat> but um I think Volkswagen was specifically made as they wanted more people to go out into the German countryside and like enjoy time as a family and away from work. Yeah. And to do that, they did make an affordable car they, that like that never was like broke the down. German car. They needed a German car, and that was yeah. the Volkswagen. They needed a German car. They needed the people's wagon. The yeah. Volkswagen. Yes. The Volkswagen. But that was my story. I'm sorry it took a little bit longer. We made a lot of goofs. We did goof so a lot. No, no, no. Let's, let's, we uh, goofed a lot. I hate this l- man. It's literally um, what our whole, the whole purpose of the podcast is for it's us the whole to goof. Steve. Yeah, I did exactly. look this man up when you said that he looked like Humpty Dumpty, though. And he does. And he yeah, does look he, like he Humpty does. Dumpty. Is a... My brother doesn't have a neck. Yeah, no, it got swallowed. <laughs> yeah, by his his throat, I guess. His <laughs> got swallowed by his throat. Um, yeah, I feel bad for his wife who did die of cancer. Rest in peace. But maybe just feel bad that she was, was married to him. Yeah, maybe it was actually a blessing for her to finally get away from him. I mean, there are easier ways to get away from a person. Yeah. That's true. She could have drowned on the Titanic. That, she could have drowned on the Titanic. That would have been more merciful. Oh, did you probably. post it? There he is. Look he at him. Looks... <laughs> what a sweet little potato man. <laughs> what a potato, what a potato man. man. Why is there a picture of a what burnt is that thing on the t- pizza? Is that a burnt pizza? I think it's a burnt pizza, but I also, I, I didn't question it. I just wanted the weird picture of him napping. <laughs> it is a cute picture, though. Is he, is this like. Is this comparing him to a burnt pizza? Probably. I think it's just probably a story about a time that he fell asleep on the couch and burnt a pizza. Probably. I uh, don't know because yeah, I'm not probably. looking at what Zach's looking at, but he just looks like such a comfy boy. <sighs> such a comfy, such a comfy potato. piece of shit. Um, <laughs> I'm going to roll into my story now because we got to, you know, get the show on the road a little bit. A little bit. Um, Do it. So, if you couldn't tell by my intro, your boy is going to talk fire tonight, and specifically one great big fire, fire, specifically the great Chicago fire of 1871. Wow. Now, it's, it's taken this, us a long I mean, time to get it. to the great Chicago fire of 1871, but we're here. We're here, finally. Um, this story is a bit... Have we been waiting for it? <laughs> I mean, it's a really, like, prominent, well-known historical event. We probably, you know, like, 
could have covered it earlier. Yeah, but, like, we had so many other things to talk about. Yeah, right? (laughs) We got so distracted by so many other things. Um, This story is a little bit weird for me for one specific reason. Um, And that reason... Were you there? No, I was not there at 1871. I think he was. We're not talking about it because no one actually knows how the Great Chicago Fire was set, okay? Zach does. (laughs) My alibi is that I wasn't born yet. Zach knows how the fire <laughs> that, started. But that's his alibi. It's weird for me because of Boy Scout camp. Oh, Be- I can't wait to see how these two tie together. Because there was a song that we sang at Boy Scout camp, and I don't know if any of you went to like sleepaway camp and know the song too. Where no, it's like probably not. Late one night when we were all in bed, Mrs. O'Leary hung a lantern in the shed. When the cow kicked it over, she winked her eye and said, gonna be a hot one in your town tonight. Fire, 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 water, water, water. Save my child, save my child. Jump, lady, jump. That's about the- What the fuck? (laughs) What did I just listen to? (laughs) Weird camp songs. Dude, my camp songs were nothing like that. Well, my camp songs apparently were about the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. My camp songs were like the very stereotypical, a pizza hut, a pizza hut, Kentucky Fried Chicken and a pizza hut, McDonald's, McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken and a pizza hut. My camp songs were about the Great Chicago Fire and also Oaten Bowden, Little Doat, Knit Media. Oh, I fucked it up. Oaten Bowden, it was oat and boat and little doat and mitt and little didn't initially oat and oat and bottles could eat and water and chew. You know, shit like that. Um, <laughs> That's not English. We're fighting. No, it's, it's on not. hands the next time I see you. It's it's all hands throwing hands. But so I, I, I went to Boy Scout camp for a number of years and had sung that song a number of times, the Great Chicago Fire one. And so it's weird that I now know that that is the premise of the story. Um, is it weird to be, so is it strange, I just want to ask this quick, because, like, a lot of the songs that kids used to sing, like, you know, were based on tragedy, like, pocket, uh, pocket full of posies type shit. Yeah. Like, is it weird having grown up and then realizing the context of what you're saying? Yes, because I, I am now 28 years old and i just found out the basis of this song and i was like <laughs> that's horrific wait how recent did you just just he figure it, it out he found it out today oh well i i like today, today not to- learned <laughs> not today a couple weeks ago i was looking into the great chicago fire and then i was like oh so like i connected the dots and i was like oh no oh he god a, no he had a jimmy neutron brain blast moment I did, um, but it, the big old blaze of 1871 um, was so horrific because it actually burnt for three fucking days straight. It begins on October 8th and early in the and ends on uh, October 10th, early in the morning, and just like so much of Chicago was cinders by the end of it. Uh, from Do you think anyone gave the fire department a poor Yelp review? So, actually, I'm going to get into some shit with the fire department in a second. <laughs> oh, okay. So, basically, the one of the big problems was, from a civil engineering standpoint, is you had a massive population of almost 300,000 people living in one city, and that city in 1871 was built mostly of wood, like, even the streets were paved Classic. with wood. Like, that's really fucking smart. And so fires broke out Why would you regularly. pave the street with wood? It's like so cobblestones, like but with wood. <laughs> like, they would, like, take the planks of wood and, like, lay them down on the street and pack them into the dirt so that, like, the wheels had something to roll over rather than just get stuck in mud. Did they... There wasn't Again, paving no technology. No claiming that it was a good idea, okay? Especially yeah. not given the fire. I just feel like Romans already had it figured out, and then Chicago was like, we use wood! Yeah, Chicago so, was like, we'll do this better than the Romans. The To give you a good example of, like, this is 1871, the typical 
Old West doesn't actually end in the United States until 1890. The Civil War was six years ago. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Wow. Oh. So, 1871, our idea of how to build shit is still fucking rudimentary. It's so weird thinking about U.S. history and how compressed it is because we have not been a country for that long. And yet we have done some terrible things in our short lifetime. We sure have. <laughs> so, because this city is mostly made out of wood, the streets are wood, the buildings are wood, everything's wood. It's all wood, down to the bone. Fires break out regularly, but nothing like the Great Chicago Fire. It also didn't help that at the time Chicago had been going through a drought that had been going since the 4th of July. So after months of a dry season, it starts to really get turned into tinder. On the evening of October 8th, a small fire breaks out in a barn on the west side of the city. And this happens because it's wooden Chicago. However, the drought... It's wooden Chicago. <laughs> it's wooden Chicago. Um, <laughs> like a new skin for the, for the city. <laughs> pretty much. Old-timey wooden Chicago skin. Now available at these DLC. Um, <laughs> now you have to purchase the DLC. It's worse than before. <laughs> uh, the drought strong prevailing winds and a fire department that was going in the wrong fucking direction combined like a shitty megazord in order to make a blaze that was going to rip the whole fucking town up the fire department eventually shows up to the blaze way too late and they're also exhausted because they were putting out fires all day before this fire started as i said a drought in a wooden city doesn't make for good times for the fire department and the fire rips through Chicago's west side and does not stop until finally some rain comes on October 10th and helps put it out. Over 17,000 buildings totaling 3.5 square miles of Chicago is burnt to the fucking ground. Somehow, only 300 people get killed, but 100,000 people are left homeless, which, let me remind you, is almost a third of the population of the city. Too bad they so, didn't have Mercedeses. Damn. They didn't have Mercedeses. That's so true. <laughs> no one was given those away because the Nazis hadn't commissioned them yet. <laughs> Not yet. Now, luckily, a lot of the stock and lumber yards, the mills and railroads were left untouched by the blaze. The blaze mostly took out the west side of Chicago, which is where all the poor people lived. Oopsie. And... The f- oh, the uh, the poors. <laughs> All the poor people are now homeless. Good job. Great fire of Chicago. Um, <laughs> so because the lumber yards and the mills were not really damaged, it helped with the rebuilding efforts of Chicago. And some historians actually theorize that without the Great Fire, we never would actually see modern day Chicago. Uh, because they just changed the infrastructure of the city so much when they were rebuilding. And in fact, the bounce back was so quick that in June of 1873, Chicago was throwing a party to celebrate the rebound of the fire they had less than two years before. Nice. So good for Chicago. And I told you guys this was kind of a, a shorter story, and it's it's a nice ending to that shorter story, right? 
Well, yeah. the way that you're saying I this guess. means that you're setting it up for a bad, a bad twist. Yeah. Right? I, I'm suspicious now. I because think, here's I think the we've thing. All, we've all gotten each other to a point where it's just like, hey, so that's a beautiful end to the story. Until. Matt? Yeah. Megan? Uh-huh. I don't give a fuck about the known facts on this one. I don't give a fuck about how much was burnt to the ground. I don't give a fuck that they made a recovery in less than two years. Okay, that's a lie. Good for them. But I don't give a fuck right now. What I'm here for, what I really care about, is the goddamned cow. I'm only in it for this fucking cow. Because I want justice for this fucking cow, and I'm not kidding. Because bullshit, no pun intended, the cow did not start the fire. This cow did not start the fire. And I am backing this whole thing. This is why I told this story. Not to tell you about the Great Chicago Fire, but to exonerate this cow. To exonerate the cow. Do you have evidence? You're like, I told this whole... Yeah, what's your evidence? Your Honor, if you would take a look at the people's evidence, number one, the O'Leary's, where the barn started ablaze, and their cow were situated at 137 DeCoven Street, one of the most congested and packed streets in Chicago's west side. Now, at the time of the start of the blaze, all of the O'Leary's claimed that they were in bed before the blaze started, which... I am apt to believe because they are poor dairy farmers and the blaze does not start until a little after 9 p.m. on October 8th. I wake up at 5 a.m. every damn day and I like to be in bed by 9, so I call that believable, Your Honor. Also, who the fuck milks a cow at 9 p.m.? Surely not Mrs. O'Leary. in the morning. Milking is a morning job. Why would Mrs. O'Leary be out milking the cow at 9 p.m.? I'm calling bullshit. Mm. Mm. And you know who's not in bed by 9 p.m.? Satan? People who sin, that's for sure. And and by that, I mean thieves. That's right, thieves. Because with that said, one theory suggests... you're like, it's the... (laughs) What? You're like, it's the thieves, it's the rogues guild, they're starting the fire. Well, hear me out. One theory suggests that Daniel Pegleg Sullivan, fuck yeah on that nickname. <laughs> Love that. Pegleg Sullivan. The very man who reported the fire in the first place was the one who started it. Oh my you god, see- was he one of those guys? He was like, he was like a, a firefly. No, he. I don't know if he was a firefly, but you see, Daniel lost his leg in the Civil War, hence the nickname Pegleg Sullivan. And when he reported the fire, he reported that he saw the fire from his porch and rushed over to free the animals from the barn. You want to know what's funny about that? If you look at land, I'm scared. Well, that's the thing. If you look at land records from 1871, it's impossible to see the O'Leary's barn from Sullivan's porch. It's too far away. Not only that, but as you pointed out, Matt, you're going to sprint 200 feet to free animals on a peg leg? Unlikely story. I ain't buying it, mister. (laughs) And you'll want to know who else is up to no good at 9 p.m.? Satan? I don't know. Gamblers. That's right. I got oh another theory for you. <laughs> Evidence. You're, dude, the, you're calling out like a third of the city at this point. The third of the city that's homeless. The third that's homeless. Other evidence suggests that Louis M. Chon, one of the near, near uh, someone else who lived in the neighborhood, in, was gambling in the O'Leary's barn with, I might add, Mrs. O'Leary's own son, and they were playing craps. And when Mrs. O'Leary came out to shoo them away, Chon runs off, knocking over an oil lamp in his haste. Although he did stop to pick up all the money on the way out, so I guess he wins the game? I don't know. Eyewitness accounts do put him in the area, and further proof comes after he dies. Because when Chon dies in 1942, he gives a good sum of money, and by a good sum of money, I do mean $35,000, to Northeastern's journalism school 
And in the be- thirty thousand dollars, that's a lot now. In nineteen forty And in that bequest is a dedication that Mr. Tron wrote that says he was at the start of the fire. He admits to starting it. Now He did it. It's a little bit hard. He just bequeathed it in like a giant donation, but like I don't know, he admitted to it. At the end of the day, the theory of Mrs. O'Leary and her cow is absolutely bullshit. And I do bring it up because eventually, I believe in 1994, Chicago exonerates the O'Learys very posthumously. And the song and the uh, accusation against the O'Learys are vicious rumors, and they come out of the fact that in the 19th century, the United States fucking hated the Irish, and Mrs. O'Leary and all the O'Learys were poor Irish immigrants who couldn't defend themselves. Also, the cow can't defend itself. It doesn't speak English. What the fuck is wrong with you people? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I think it's easy to come up with... Well, it's actually interesting, right? Like, urban legends. Mm Mm-hmm about how things happened but i think like once the urban legend gave gains traction it's like well we're not gonna like figure out the real cause because i think like there is no incentive because if you think a cow did it wherever that cow lives becomes like a tourist destination it's like oh this is where that fucking cow lives well basically that right as soon as the fire is put out Everyone blames the O'Learys, and someone makes up the rumor about the cow kicking over an oil lamp. And everyone was like, we'll just believe it because they're poor Irish immigrants and we fucking hate the Irish. So what's going to change? We'll just hate them for an extra reason now. And the government of Chicago at the time was like, man, we're just trying to sweep this thing under the rug as quickly as possible. So sure, it was this bitch and her cow. So... Like, it was really shitty, like, looking back on it. And again, like, I started doing a little bit of research, and when that clicked in my head about the song that I remember singing as a child, I was like, man, this cow and this woman, like, fucking were the scapegoats for a 3.5 square mile fire that was definitely not their fault. And that's shitty. Those poor people. So that's all. I went on a mad rant to exonerate a cow, and I do not feel sorry whatsoever. I don't think you should feel sorry. Maybe they also blame that same cow for the great fire in London, right? Yeah, Yeah, right. They're like, oh, it's a cow again. That same cow. But it turns out generations of its family. Oh my god. My god. Yeah, but the cow would have had to live for centuries just to start another fire. Mrs. O'Leary's cow is but we a can, <laughs> But we can... But we can, like... It just starts fires. Name. We can name it, yes. Is that... Oh my gosh. Yeah, Are we we, but that's it. it. Okay. That's, my, that's, my, that's my thing. That's his story. He's sticking to it. I'm uh, sticking to it for sure. Because we've gone a little oh, long in the, in the tooth here, I am... I'm just gonna hop into mine. Okay. All yeah, right, that sounds good. I'm dealing with a cat that just pushed over a table. Sume! You son of a bitch! <laughs> Alright, kids, sit around the campfire because your dear old dad has another World War II story for you. Yes, yes, someday the well will run dry on these stories and we'll miss the time in our lives when dad kept telling stories about a war he was never in, but instead, <laughs> we're here. <laughs> uh, so my story takes place in 1944, uh, in, you know, the midst of the the World War II. Um, mm-hmm. And it starts in New Guinea. Um, so while working to get a jeep out of the mud in New Guinea, Ed Downey heard a whimper coming from a nearby foxhole. And this is where the hero of our story enters, because Ed found all four pounds, seven inches tall of a Yorkshire Terrier named Smokey and brought her back to camp with him. 
What um, a good girl. What a good girl. Uh, he did his due diligence to see if this was a dog that belonged to a family. So he brought her through, like, Japanese prisoner of war camps and was basically just like... This your dog, homie? Is this your dog? Has anybody seen this dog before? Uh, but when nobody claimed, has when anyone, nobody claimed is this her, your dog? He, Missy, you it. came down. <laughs> speaking of dogs, speaking of dogs, yeah, my my parents' dog just ran downstairs and then asked immediately to be let out. I didn't like the story. Yeah, um, probably because it has something to do with the Yorkshire Terrier. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, so. Downey tries to find the owner of the dog, fails to find the owner of the dog. And then um, because Ed Downey was a bit of a gambler, uh, he sold the dog. What a shithead. To get his seat back at a poker table. What a Um, shithead. So Ed Downey sells Smokey to Corporal William Wynn for the low, low price of $6.44. Um, but luckily, uh, William Wynn found Smokey to be adventurous and smart, and, uh, he had experience from his time in Cleveland, Ohio. I think that's where he was from. Don't drag me if I'm wrong. Um, he had experience training dogs before he had signed up for the war. Uh, so he was like, I'm just going to keep this dog and have a great time. Um, I love that. So he just determined that Smokey was a great fit. He was like, yeah, I'll keep this dog and train it and raise it and all this great stuff. Uh, So Corporal Wynn was a member of the 5th Air Force 26th Photo Reconnaissance Squad. Um, And in order for him to be allowed to have Smokey with him, he felt that Smokey required training. And so he taught her 200 commands, which included hand signals, so that she could be prepared for any amount of shit hitting the fan. I love that. He kept her in his backpack. I love that even more. He let her sleep in his tent and eat That's nice. and eat his rations. <laughs> okay. Um but she went on every mission with him like from when he found her to the end of the war. Uh and so this meant that Smokey went on 12 separate reconnaissance missions but also survived 150 Japanese air raids. Damn. Holy shit. Holy Some fuck. people don't survive one. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, one of Smokey's biggest contributions to the war effort was uh, on a ship. They were trying to run a wire. And in order for them to get access to like the piping that they were trying to run the wire through, they would have had to dig out the whole pipe. Which would have taken them three days. Um, But instead, what Corporal Wynn did is he tied one end of the wire to Smokey's collar and sent her through the eight-inch pipe, all 70 feet of it. Oh, my gosh. And so she just crawled her way through this pipe and turned a job that would have taken three days into, like, a... 15 minute thing um so um where am i in my notes uh while she was aboard this vessel she survived kamikaze attacks and also a typhoon oh and uh she even managed to warn corporal win to duck and cover because there was an incoming attack happening and so she ended up saving his life by like barking and getting him to get into cover what a good girl what a good girl uh so the other thing 
Um, the reason that I ended up finding this story in the first place is because Smokey is often credited as being the first emotional support animal because of all the commands that uh, Corporal Wynn had taught her. He used to take her to hospitals with wounded soldiers, and he would just have her do tricks or do these commands, and he would entertain the troops that were recovering in these hospitals. Oh, That's um, so sweet. That is sweet. He, uh, Corporal Wynn ended up seeing a an ad in a magazine uh, asking people to send in pictures of their unit mascots. And so he took the most famous photo of Smokey that I'm going to post in the Discord, and I hope that Zach posts when uh, we actually post this episode. But it's a Aww. picture of Smokey who, Smokies. might I remind you, is a four-pound Yorkshire Terrier. Oh, my God. Smokey is inside his upturned helmet. And so he takes a picture of this uh, and sends it in. And this earns Smokey the title of champion mascot in the Southwest Pacific area. Um, so anyway, Smokey obviously goes through all this. But as the war is wrapping up, uh, the command comes down that all American soldiers have to leave their animals and head back home. And so, unfortunately, Smokey's story ends with, uh, you know, Corporal Wynn just finding a nice family for her to stay with. And, um, you know, she's just, just living in the wilderness. So, I mean, I'm... he smuggled her home. Oh. <clears throat> um, he he found a space in his backpack where his oxygen tank was or his oxygen mask was supposed to go, and he put oh her gosh. in there, <laughs> and just yes, just kept her, just kept her. Um, so he brought her home, and he uh, he kept touring her around uh, hospitals with ailing people entertaining entertaining the troops until uh the more that i look at her eyes the more they seem to say i've survived 150 areas yeah yeah <laughs> i thought that too like, she definitely the... has like a thousand yard stare to her but like she looks so jovial about it yeah, she's just like she's happy. bring on bring on 151 yeah <laughs> bring on a few more um yeah. So yeah, he smuggles her home, uh, and she enter. She continues a career of entertaining wounded troops until 1954, uh, when she retires. And then, unfortunately, three years later, in the year of our Lord 1957, uh, she passes away at the age of eight or eighteen. At the age of fourteen, um, well, she lived a good long life. She there. did live a good long life. Uh, Corporal Wynn buries her in a 30 caliber ammo box. And he lays... Seems, <laughs> seems yeah. right. Seems, seems only fitting. Uh, and he lays her to rest at the Rocky River Reservation. Um, but he didn't mark her grave in any way. Um, and then... 50 years later, a Vietnam vet by the name of Jim Strand raised money to make a monument dedicated to essentially the monument is dedicated to all dogs of war um but the the statue is of her likeness in an upturned helmet uh in bronze and so she is forever immortalized in a little statue uh and William Wynn himself Died in the year 2021 at the age of 99. Uh, oh, he wow. also He also wrote a book about... Uh, His time with her? Yeah, and it's called oh. Yorkie Doodle Dandy. 
Fuck yeah. That's oh. a really, really cute title. And then um, just last year in 2022, Smokey was awarded a Distinguished Service Medal for Animals in War and Peace. So... That's nice. That's the whole. That was, that's, that's the like whole heart- story about. Oh no, you got, Smokey. You had like a heartwarming story, though. Yeah, I love that. I mean, not every yeah. story about World War Two has to be doom and gloom. I, no, that's that's true. I was actually complaining about that the other day because, like, when I'm doing collection development for the library, like I'm buying the new books for the month. Yeah. Um, I'll see, like, oh, this book is marked as, like, historical fiction. And inevitably, it's just, like, it's World War II. Yeah, of course And I was, like, going on a rant about this. But, like, history is huge, right? And, like, ultimately, World War II, at its maximum, lasted about a decade. Like, that's how long the fighting ramped up. But, yeah. And and I'm just, like, we get it. We get it. There were bombs people died it was bad but i also feel like the only compelling story that you're telling in like a world war ii setting is one of like i mean the only like it's just struggle like and you can only read that same story from any perspective like even if you're reading non-fiction like historical accuracy it's just struggle so to read like a historical fiction that's like oh i'm a a jewish person in world war ii and it's a struggle it's like i'm not i'm not trying to diminish what happened but like you can only write that story so many times and make it first of all not condescending or like shitty to the people that endured that but also like you're not you're not telling a unique story find a different war find a different group of people to write about in non-fiction and make it i don't know world war ii is boring guys (laughs) it's it's not boring i just think like much like pop songs it's been played into the ground it's been done to death yeah too much But that's like, yeah, that's like, why I, I make the joke that horrible. I'm the podcast dad, because like literally History Channel will just run World War Two content all day on Father's Day. Yeah. And, yeah. And I'm and I'm not saying that it's like not an important war, but I do think like for some reason in the historical psyche, we stall out on it. Yeah, We're just we like, just and then there. World War II happened. And I'm like, okay, but you know what happened after World War II? Or before like, it? We had the... Cur- or Yeah, that's true too. I mean, even before it too, but I think like what happens is we either stall out on the Civil War we mm-hmm. or we stall out on World War II. And I'm like, okay, but here's the thing like what are we gonna do about it like what do we do after world war ii like let's let's talk about some other stuff like i need historical fiction books to be written about like more recent historical things or even ancient historical things or something other than what happened in between the years of 1940 to 1945 yeah that's what i'm saying is like, I've started putting down books when I see the number 1936. <laughs> when it says it, the year was 1936, I'm like, I'm out. I'm done. Like, 1940, I'm like, I'm done. Like, I don't I don't want to hear about it. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I feel you. 1556, however. It's <laughs> mm, a good year. I, I don't know uh, what the fuck happened then, but I'm sure it was something. Well, then, and with everybody. that said, we come to the end of our podcast shenanigans. Uh, I'm apt to wrap it up if y'all are apt to let it go. I'm apt. You're apt. I'm, I'm apt. apt. I'm tired, too. So, <laughs> well, thank you, folks, for joining us here tonight on What the Fuck History. Uh, it has been certainly what the fuck worthy on a number of levels but i'm glad we ended on a heartwarming note thank you matt uh if you want to keep a heartwarming 
note going, you can go give us a follow on our social medias, like Guys, Instagram. Where you can... Just a reminder that if Zach does not post this picture of Smokey, it's real easy to find on the internet. I will post it. Don't you, worry. You fucking better. I will. Okay. Um, but you can find us on Instagram at the triumvirate. At the underscore triumvirate underscore productions. You can find us on Facebook at the triumvirate productions. And you can also find us on our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash triumvirate productions. And yeah, if you also want to give us a re, uh, rating and review on iTunes, that is also insanely helpful. Um, it is an easy way for you to just help us get seen a little bit more, but it's also free. If you don't have money for Patreon. So that's all I got. <laughs> okay. I uh I think we said at the beginning of the podcast that Megan was gonna list some of the bad things that happened today. Oh yeah. Let me let me really quick. Uh today was a bad day, uh, because we started off strong, the featured event of the day. Hurricane Katrina hits New Orleans. I'm sure we're all we all remember. Uh, New Orleans still hasn't financially or physically recovered. Um, so that was in 2005. 2016, the man, the myth, the legend, Gene Wilder, uh, also Willy Wonka, dies at the age of 83. That king was not with us long enough. Um, and then in 1949. We got the Soviet Union testing its first atomic bomb, uh, and it was the direct copy of the Fat Man bomb that was used by the U.S. to drop on Nagasaki during World War II. I know that we just finished ranting about that. Um, I guess, like, a good thing that happened, uh, rip to all the people who love Mormons... Uh, Brigham Young did die. Rest in peace, I suppose. And on that happy so. note, I'm inclined to say, what the fuck, history? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.